So, um, so this Shabbos is Parsha Shabbos right? We read Parsha Shkolem. So why do we lane the story, the halacha, the mitzvah of giving a machzah shakal, which is the beginning of Parsha's Kisisa? So we know that the Mishnah tells us in in other words, that every single year in the Beis HaMikdash, not the Mishkan, Beis HaMikdash, every single year that we need to raise funds for the coming year's Karbanas, because the Karbanas were of the Tzibur, so someone has to pay for it. So everyone would, every Jew was taxed a shekel, and that would be the funds to bring all the Tamids and all the Musaf and everything from the coming year. And now Chazal understood that the demarcation point of a year in terms of Karbanas, that when's the new year to that we would need new funds, that's Nisan. So we want to collect all the money in advance of Nisan, getting ready for Pesach, you know, the, the new new batch of Karbanas. So the month of Adar, which is before Nisan, Mashmir Allah we begin to to send out the message that everyone should uh, get their Shkalan ready and to donate. Okay, so so in the so that that means that halakhically speaking, technically speaking, the reason why we're reading Parshish Golan is really not because of Purim. It's nothing to do with Purim. It has to do with the upcoming month after uh, the, the month of Nisan. <clears throat> now, at the same time, we also know, however, that Shkalan are also related to Purim. Chazal say that this chus of the Mas HaShekel, that the Jewish people donated to the Mishkan and continue to donate every year by, uh, by Adar, preparing for the new Karbanas of Nisan and on, that when Haman Harasha gathered 10,000 uh, silver you know, uh, pieces to give to Achashirish to buy or death, so the Rabbanish was mocked in the schus of Masa Shekel to overcome the money of Haman. So we need to see an interesting thing. So the Shkalim, on the one hand, technically, halakhically, is really connected more with the month of Nisan, which we associate with Pesach, obviously. Uh, and yet, we also find that the Inyan of Shkalim are somehow related to, to Purim as well. So, which, which, means, which means that on some level, Purim itself is a preparation for, for Nisan. Right? Because again, the Shkalim that are connected to Purim are also, are, are fundamentally a preparation for Nisan. So that means Purim is some level of a preparation for Nisan. <clears throat> so how do we understand that? In what way? And Chazal already say this, that a, month, a year like this where there's two Adars, Right, so what? Which other do we make Purim in other days? Right, Mas Gul Gul. We want to continue and connect Purim to Pesach. So on some level, Purim is its own yontif, but it's also a yontif which is a preparation for Nisan, a preparation for Pesach. And you see that with the Shkalim in particular, that the Shkalim are on the one hand the the say the, how how uh, how we have the yontif of Purim, but it's also fundamentally about preparing us for Nisan. So how do we understand that? Also, the language of the Mishnah is, I think, interesting. The first day of Adar, we allow everyone to hear about the Shkalim. It's a little bit of a funny thing. What I would say is, the first day of Adar, we call out, we send out messages about the Shkalim. The Mishnah is describing it from the listener's perspective. And the first day of Adar, everyone, we cause everyone to hear about the Shekel. It's a little bit of a funny way to describe it. Okay, that's number one. <clears throat> number two, in this parasha, parasha Yaakov, so we have the whole, uh, not the whole, but the, a lot of the building of the Mishkan. So as we know, the Pasuk says, already in Parshas Kisisa, Yaakov is repeated, that we know that Moshe Rabbeinu, you know, as the Shliach of Hashem, tells the Jewish people, 
that everyone has to give donations and so on, and all the people that are crafty and hands and you know good with their hands are going to be put to work over here to build the Mishkan. But the one person that's going to be in charge of the whole thing is Betzalel, right? Betzalel ben Rabbi Nachor, Lamati Yehuda. That's Betzalel. So throughout the entire process of building the Mishkan, it keeps on saying that the Jewish people made this and they made that and they made that. But when it came, when it, the only thing that's different is like this: when it comes to building the Aron, the pasuk says, "Vayas Betzalel es Aronat Everything that was built was under his, under his uh, auspices, under his jurisdiction. He was in charge, you know. He was the manager of the entire project, and it doesn't say his name by every particular thing. What it says his name specifically is by the Aaron. Why? So Rashi already comments on this. Rashi says Vayas Betzalel. All of a sudden, it says Betzalel's name. Since Betzal says Rashi, he wasn't just a good project manager. Manager in order to build the Mishkan, it took Mesiris Nefesh. Rashi, and Betzal was someone that was a Baal Mesiris Nefesh. He sacrificed literally. He put all of his kaiches into this to have the Mishkan built properly. more than anyone else, not just because that was his job. That 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 was his job to be Meisir Nefesh. So therefore, Nikras Al Shemay. So therefore, the whole Mishkan, or that's what that's what the Aaron is called by his name. So for all eternity, Mamish it's going to say in Pasuk that Betzalel built the Aaron, because Betzalel was the one that was the Baal Mesiris Nefesh. That's Rashi. So the question is, okay, I understand that's an explanation of why Betzalel's name should be here. But why Dafka the Aaron? He was Mesir Nefesh for the Shulchan. He was Mesir Nefesh for the curtains, and he's Mesir Nefesh for the walls. Why Dafka the Aaron? So the Ragged Shavar, in his uh, Pirish and Chumash, says a good thing like this. He says like this, how did it work? People are coming to donate uh, wool, and they're donating wood, and they're donating gold. And so who's collecting it? Betzal, right? Betzal is the, he's the manager. He's halachically called the Gazbar. He's the, uh, he, uh, technically speaking, when people would give donations to the Mishkan, Betzal would collect it, it would literally become Betzal's. He's literally now owning all these donations. But says the Raghat Shavar, the problem is that the Mishkan has to be, the halacha is, anything that is used in Karbanas, in Avoida, in the Beis Hamikdash, has to be owned by the public. It can't be private property. So when people gave their donations, so this guy, uh, Shmuel uh, Yankolovich, has a piece of wood, and he gives it, so it's private property, it's no good. So he gives it to Pitzal, and now it's also private property, it's Pitzal's, it's also no good. So the law is, so the Gemara says in a few places that that this wasn't just an issue with the Mishkan, it could be an issue with the Beis Migdash too. I'll give a donation of money to the Beis Migdash, I'm giving it to the manager of the Beis Migdash. it's now his, his money, so how could he use it? So the Gemara says the Allah is that all money that was donated to the Mishkan or the Beis Migdash, the one that's collecting it, let's say in this case, Betzalo, <clears throat> has to be Maestro El or he has to then give it. He has to give it away from his private property to give it to the Jewish people. Someone else acquire it on behalf of everyone else. But here says the Ragachar, and that's what happened. So every single piece of piece of uh, article that was given to Betzal, any any uh, vessel that Betzal was watching and overseeing the fashioning of this vessel, it technically is Betzal's because he owns all the money. But once it was fashioned, he gave it over to the Jewish people, and now it's public property, and now it could be used. But but says the Ragachar like this. The Gemara tells us that if the article that the Gazbar, the one in charge, the Betzalo, is giving over to the Tzibor, if it has his name engraved on it, it says, like, made by Betzalo, then, then he can't get out, he, he, that he can't lose, he can't leave his jurisdiction. 
So says Ragachavar, therefore it's impossible, the Torah would not be able to go for all time and say that Betzalel made the Shulchan. Because that would be as if on the Shulchan it's engraved, made by Betzalel. And if it was engraved in those words, made by Betzalel on the Shulchan, then Betzalel is not going to be able to get it out of his personal ownership. Therefore, says the Ragachavar, the only vessel that the Torah is able to say for all time, this was made by Betzalel, and thus keeping it in Betzalel's ownership is the Aran. Why? Because the Aran is not used for any avoid of the, of the Karbanas, it just sits there. So only things that have to be, that are used for Karbanas have to be owned by the Tzibar. And what cause everything has to be owned by the Tzibar, the Torah therefore is not able to say about the Shulchan, and about the Menaira, and about uh, all the other structures of the Shulchan, of, of, of the Mishkan, that was made by Betzal. By putting in those words in Chumash, it would keep it in Betzal's ownership forever. But the Aaron, we have no problem with it remaining in Betzal's ownership forever, because it's not used for Karbanas, it just sits there. Which means, it comes out an unbelievable Chiddush, that the Aaron is owned by Betzal. The Aaron is owned by Betzal. The fact that Betzal was the one that <clears throat> oversaw the fashioning of the Aaron. Aleph. And even when he tries to donate it to the Jewish people, the Pasuk goes out of its way and says, no, 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 Betzal, not so fast. You made the Aaron. And that's, that, that, that line of the Yas Betzal's Aaron keeps it in, in Betzal's jurisdiction, keeps it in his possession, all of that in the schos of his Mesir's Nefesh. So now we have an interesting phenomenon. The phenomenon is, is that the centerpiece of the entire Mishka, the centerpiece of the entire Besam Mikdash, the Aaron, the Kaddish HaKadshim, all of that is not owned by the Jewish people. It's owned by one individual person, Betzal. And because of his Mesiris Nefesh. So how do we make sense of that? What, what, why, why is the Mesiris Nefesh of Betzal so, so unbelievably great in Hashem's eyes and so vital that, that the Rabbanu Shal decides to give him as a, as, a, as a reward for his Mesiris Nefesh? I'm going to give you the Aaron itself. I'm going to make sure the Aaron remains in, in Betzal's personal... Uh, personal uh, ownership. So let's understand. There's a concept that we find in the Svarim like this. It's going to sound a little bit... Okay, I'll tell you the words, and then I'll explain what it means. The Rav Shalom has a way... The Rav Shalom is always giving. Shalom is always giving. He's always giving us brach and shefa, all good things. Right? We're alive right now, because Hashem is giving us. But there's two types of shefa. There's two types of of kindness and bounty and blessing that the Rebbe could give to the world. Now, one type of blessing is a blessing that's described as achar ba'achar, back to back. Back to back. And there's another type of shafa which can be described as pun ba'pun and face to face. What's the difference? So I'll give you the example that the Zohar Kaddish gives, okay? The example is like this. I'm sitting at home and uh, I invite you to uh, come to my house for Shabbos, whatever. So you come for a meal Shabbos day. So, I love you. I invited you. I, it, it means a lot to me. It's not my most exciting Shabbos of my whole year that I get to have you as a guest. It's Spanish Gulag. We're having good conversations. My wife brings out some food or something, and I said, you know, I want to give you per- personally, I love you so much. Here, take a, you know, I take a clean fork, and I uh, give you a piece of chicken. Fine, whatever it is. It's bad. It happens to be when you come, you own a dog, and you brought your dog also. Now, I'm a good host. I love you. I don't particularly love your dog. But I'm a good host. I'm going to take care of your dog too. So you, I give the piece of chicken, and to the dog, to the dog, I also give a throw a bone. I throw a bone. Now the difference between what I gave you and what I gave the dog is different. 
to you I gave a chashev piece because I love you, and to your dog I gave a bone because it's a dog. But way beyond what I gave, the difference is also how I gave it. To you that I love, and you're the purpose of the, and, and, and my entire reason to have this meal is because I want to have a, have a, have a connection with you, I want to have a conversation with you. To you, I didn't just give a piece of chicken, I gave myself with a piece of chicken. When I gave you the piece of chicken, it was my way of saying, I care about you. It was my way of creating a bond with you. That's called face-to-face. Face-to-face means that when I give you something, I'm not just giving you, you're not just focused on the object. There's eye contact that's being made while the object is being given. It's not about the chicken only. The chicken represents the fact that I care for you and, I'm, and I appreciate that you're here and I want you to enjoy. It says a lot more than the piece of chicken. But the, do- the, the bone that I gave to the dog, it's nothing more than the bone. I threw it like the Zara describes of it as a person throwing the bone over their shoulder, back to back. I'm just throwing it to the dog, because the point is just to get the bone to the dog. So the dog should, the dog should be quiet and it shouldn't make noise, and I should be able to have a real conversation without being distracted. It's a, it, so there's two types of shafa, there's two types of blessing in the world. There's blessing that comes with what? Where the Rabbani Shalom is just giving you object, giving you things. He gives you, why does he do that? Kind of because he has to. It's like the Gemara says, when, when, you, when, you, when you're a parent, or you're a husband, or you're a good friend, or you're a boss, you have a, you have a responsibility to take care of those that are, that, are, that are dependent on you. So Hashem made us. Hashem created us. So he kind of, Kivyach has no choice. He has to supply us with food. He has to supply us with oxygen. He has no choice. Right? You know, the, the, the ozone layer might have a shtickle hole, but as long as... As, as, if the Rabbanu is a bayre, it means he's responsible to make sure there's enough of an ozone layer left that we can survive. That's not, that's not going away. That's not going away. The level of shefa, that's what's described by the Arizal as chiyas ha'elimus. Enough life coming, to the, enough bounty, enough blessing coming to the world to keep things alive. That the Rabbanu is doing anyway, and when he gives that, it's just about the object. But then there's another type of shafa. The type of shafa that we that we, that with our Vodhis Hashem we try to bring to our lives, which is what? Which is not just more than survival. It's not just that we want more than bones, we want a piece of chicken. It's more than that. What we want is that we want the Rabbani Shalom to, to give us a piece of chicken with eye contact. That we should have a sense of face-to-face with God when we're receiving His blessing. That's what's called pan Rabbana. <clears throat> because of this, the Rizal explained, that in order for the Rabbana Shalom to be willing to give you chicken and not a bone, so you do mitzvahs. We do mitzvahs, we daven, we say good things, we hold ourselves back from doing averis, and because of that, mida keneged mida, the Rabbana Shalom says, oh, you did avayda, you did mitzvahs, I'll reward you, I'm not just going to give you a piece of a bone, I'm going to give you a piece of chicken. But how do you get it to the next level, where it's not just a piece of chicken, it's a piece of chicken with eye contact? What aspect of Vodhis Hashem is necessary to allow you to receive from Hashem not just extra, extra blessing because you're more than a dog, but how do I make sure, how do I inspire the Rabbana Shalom to give me himself in that piece of chicken? You understand? Because so there's three things. There's the basic bone that Hashem was going to throw us simply because he created us and, we, and he has no choice. So Rabbana Shalom is always going to give you oxygen until, you know, everyone has, a, everyone has a, there's a time of 120, but as long as you're supposed to be alive, the Rabbana Shalom, without you deserving it, he's going to give you oxygen. Fine. 
But now you want more than just oxygen. You want shafa. You want good things. You want a piece of chicken. So fine. So what do you do? You do mitzvahs. But now you want more than that. You don't want a piece of chicken. You want a piece of chicken face to face. So what do you have to do to get that? The answer is mesiris nefesh. Mesiris nefesh. Mesiris nefesh means on all different levels. By the Mekubalim, for example, whenever there's a stage in davening or in Avodah Hashem by a mitzvah or a bracha where we're trying to bring down not just a piece of chicken, but chicken with eye contact. So the kavanah by the Mekubalim is that they'll be makabal on themselves to die al Kiddush Hashem if need be. It's a big ending of, in, by, the, by the tzaddikim that every single bracha, by the way, every, you make a shahakal, mazainus, hamaitzi, every time you make a, a bracha and you say the words, Baruch Hashem, Elokeinu, that's all activating or connecting yourself to the usual shefa that comes with not just a uh, not just a bone but a piece of chicken. But then when you say the words melacha ilam, when you say the words melacha ilam, now you're trying to activate something much more than the chicken coming down to your life. You want the piece of chicken with eye contact. You want an experience of face to face. I don't want just to have parnasa. I want to feel in the parnasa that's given to me. The Rabbanu Shalom loves me in that. I want to feel eye contact with the giver in that blessing. That is activated when you say the words Melech Ha'elam. And the kavana to have when you say Melech Ha'elam is that you're the king of the universe and I would die for you. You see why? Because Mesir's Nefesh means that I'm giving myself over to God. And the response is, Rabbanu Shalom says, okay, now I will give myself over to you. How does Hashem give himself over to us? By giving us things with eye contact. This is the secret of Purim and Pesach. You see, Pur- Pesach, the month of Nisan, that's a time where the Rabbanu Shalom didn't just take us out of Mitzrayim. The Rabbanu Shalom took us, took us out of Mitzrayim as Anivalei Malach, Anivalei Shliach, Anivalei Acher. The Rabbanu Shalom took us out of Mitzrayim with his hands, hand to hand, face to face. That's what that's what Pesach is. So how did we earn that? What do we do throughout the course of the year in order to Allow their, in order to inspire their Vanisham to bring down that Bechina, that quality that's not just called blessing. Pesach is a time of blessing, but it's a time of blessing face to face. Where we are kings, right? We are kings face to face. What do we do that? What do we have to do? Mesir's Nefesh. That's Perm. Perm is the collective national Mesir's Nefesh in order to then bring to our world the face to face experience of Pesach. Was, why, why do I say Purim is Mesir's Nefesh? <clears throat> First of all, in the story of Purim is Mesir's Nefesh. The only of Esther Malka, what's Esther Malka doing? She's sacrificing herself. Right? Purim is over, everyone's partying. The only person that's not partying is Esther. Right? Because she's stuck in the palace. Esther Malka, and, she's, and it's called Megillus Esther for that reason. Because she is the one that's Mesir Nefesh. She goes into Achashverosh thinking that she's going to be killed. And even if she's not killed, she sacrifices her relationship with Mordechai because of that. The Jewish people are threatened with death. And they have to psychologically come to terms with that. To be able to be willing to die and to redefine the experience of being killed. It's not, it's not hominid. We're, we're sacrificing ourselves for Hashem. This is why the whole, the whole Purim story is revolving around the Bismillah. The Bismillah means to sacrifice. It means mysterious nefesh. Perm is a time of Adloyada where we sacrifice what's most dear to us, what defines us as people, which is our intellect. And Perm is where we're willing to sacrifice and acknowledge that we don't know anything. So we, we all look okay, at it's enjoyable, it's cool, Perm is cool, but if you think about that for a second, 
what, what does it feel like to be in a situation where you have no control at all? No control at all. That's perm. Perm is not just like drinking. Perm means that you're drinking to get yourself to that place where you're willing to completely let go of all power. That's Mesir Snefesh. So the whole Indian of perm is Mesir Snefesh. This is what it means on the first of Adar, we send out a message that everyone should hear about the shackle. There's a var from the Kamaran, it's not a var. The Kamaran says, the Pasik says, Kisi says, Roish b'nei Yisrael of Kudayim. Right? Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, you want to raise, or Kisi says, Roish. You want to raise up all the Jewish people's heads, so everyone should give a Masah Shekel. Why is Masah Shekel described as raising up their heads? Said the Kamarna, because the avoid of Masah Shekel is Mesiris Nefesh. And literally, that's what the Pasik says, right? That each one is giving their soul in monetary form. When the Jewish people gave Masa Shekel, it wasn't just a coin. They stood there and they had Kavana. That Rabbanu Shalom, I want to sacrifice my life for you. You're not asking me to do that literally. So this is in place of my soul. That's literally what the Masa Shekel was. That's what the Kamarna says. The words Kisisa as Roish B'nai Yisrael equals numerically Shema Yisrael Hashem Hashem twice. One for Shah in the morning, one for Shema at night. Because what does Shema Yisrael Hashem Hashem mean? That's the line that you say. With Messias Nefesh, to die al Kiddush Hashem. A Rakiva died with the word Echad. Kisi says, Rosh B'nei Yisrael equals Shema Yisrael, Hashem Kiddush Hashem twice. And this is also why the next Pasuk, Vinas Nu Ish Kaifer Nafshai, that each one gives a replacement of their soul with Messias Nefesh, it equals Yud Kevavke, time is Elokim. Hashem Elokim, Hashem Elokim, you say that seven times also by Neil and Yom Kippur's Messias Nefesh. That you're willing to die, I'll give everything over, everything that's going to come this year. It's all you, I believe in you, I'm, and I'm sacrificing myself to you. So the whole possible, this is what the Beis HaMikdash is about. What the Beis HaMikdash is a place, what the Mishkan is about, is not simply a place where we do many mitzvahs, and the Rav Hashem gives us chicken. Rather, the Indian of Beis HaMikdash is, it's a place where we do mitzvahs with Messir's Nefesh, and the Rabbanu Shalom gives us a piece of chicken with eye contact. That's the Nakud of the Beis HaMikdash. And this comes clear, this becomes clear, with the centerpiece of the Beis HaMikdash being the Aran. What's on the Aran? The Kruvim. Face to face. Face to face. What's in the Aran? The Luchas. The second Luchas. With the broken first Luchas. The broken first Luchas represent Messiris Nefesh. It means Dain Al-Kiddush Hashem. When Meish broke those Luchas, that's... That was a huge Messiris Nefesh that he did just then. He didn't think necessarily this was the Rebbe Nishwa Gidim Meshkayach, that's Messiris Nefesh. He was willing to, to destroy everything for the sake of the Jewish people. The, the broken Luchas represent Messiris Nefesh, and the response to that Messiris Nefesh is what? Is to receive the second Luchas. And the Pasuk says in last week's parasha that when Moshe Rabbeinu receives the second Luchas and he comes down from Har Sinai, his face is shining. His face is shining. And the Jewish people aren't able to see him face to face. The Messiah's nefesh of Maishu to break the luchas acquires within him a relationship with God which is so face to face. And that's in the Aaron with the Kruvim face to face. And all of that is the ownership of B'Tzalel who was Maishu nefesh to build the Mishkan. And that's why the Aaron has to be B'Tzalel's because that's the Nakuda to be the centerpiece of the Mishkan. You know, to be the biggest tzaddik in the world. It's not about being a tzaddik, it's about being a Baal Messiah's nefesh. And that's why the Aaron has to be owned by Betzal, because for his Messiah's Nefesh, because that's what the Mishkan is about. 
it's about allowing, creating a relationship with the Rabbanishal in such a way that he's not just giving you things, he's giving you things face to face. And what we do to reciprocate that is Messir's Nafesh. That's the whole Indian of what's going on over here. That, 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 that's ultimately what, what Purim is about. Purim is about the Jewish person being Meisir Nefesh, being willing to sacrifice control, power, everything. And in that schos, then you receive not just blessing on the month of Nisan, but blessing with eye contact, blessing with panemias, uh, uh, with dveikas, with iskarvas, with a sense of proven face to face. That's the Karabayda. So it all starts with this. That's why, as I mentioned, why does it say, We cause everyone to hear. Because the word mashmiyam, when you say when you hear the word mashmiyam, what does it sound like to you? Shema, right? Shema. That because that's exactly what the what the what the what the what the, uh, the shkalim is about. It's about evoking that quality of Messias Nefesh, which is in Shema Yisrael. So it's not just about giving donations, it's about about giving that donation as a way of Messias Nefesh. And that's the key to do all mitzvahs. Whenever you do mitzvahs, you have to think of it that I'm not just doing a might, I'm not just doing an action because Hashem told me so. This is my way of giving myself to you. How do I get, how do I how do I show Messias Nefesh? So I'm showing Messias Nefesh by in two minutes from now Dav Mincha. It's not just Dav Mincha. I want I'm, I want to show you that I'm yours. How do I do that? I'm the Dav Mincha. And then the davening of Mincha is not just an act that's good. It's it's, it's a way of sacrificing yourself. And when you do that, the Rebbe responds, response, not just giving you good things, but he gives you good things and he gives you himself along with it. That's the face-to-face relationship. That's Purim. To Pesach, Mas Magul, Gul. Hashem should help. Hashem should shower us with all good things, and most importantly, he should shower us with himself. Give us the strength of Moshe Nefesh properly, with love and fear. And we should be like that, uh, you know, there's enough mysterious Nefesh in the world already. She was like at that time where there's a yichud, a full yichud, a face to face. You know, can we say something right in the fly? So we ask God, "Sadik Mary, Amen." Shkayach.